Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod, or text WonderyPod to 500 Hello and welcome back. Cult Leader. I'm your cult leader, Spencer Henry, and Cult Leader is a podcast about cults and crimes and hot dog, my dog, uh, which I just feel the need to clarify because sometimes people will comment like, I didn't know who hot dog was and because I haven't followed you on Instagram and then I just always heard you yelling hot dog and well, hot dog's my dog. <laughs> man, oh man, what a day, what a week. What a month, what a year. Uh, (laughs) I feel like this year has like partially flown by, but then also like is just dragging every day. But it's all good. We're alive. We're happy. Uh, I'm going to actually go off topic for a second because I had an annoying day over the weekend and I'm going to give you some advice because I'm the cult leader. I want to help you. Basically, a situation arose where somebody that I know told me something negative that somebody else I know said about me. Uh, was I bummed? Sure. But it's, it's nothing serious. It takes a lot to get me, like, actually upset. Because when it's other people's opinions, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't really faze me. But I'm sharing this for a reason. And the reason is that when somebody comes up to you and tells you something that somebody else has said... You need to not only look at the person who said it, you need to look at the person who's telling you because both of them are exhibiting just negative behavior. My mom always told me, you need to look at the messenger and it's true because why would you tell somebody something if it's only going to make them feel bad and it's not like going to serve as a resolution for anything? That person's not having your back. You know what I mean? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like, The person telling you is not having your back by telling you. They're displaying just like emotionally immature behavior half the time. And I don't know who needed to hear that, but I'm sure one of you did. And I just wanted to kind of speak that into existence. I feel like when you put things like that in the universe, they stay 
out of your head better. Uh, but don't worry about me. I'm fine. Uh, I think I understand myself pretty well, which is helpful in times like this. And I know better than to get upset over dumb shit. Okay. All right. We good. Okay. You feel that? You'll take that with you. Uh, on a lighter note, I went and I shipped out all of the merch and now I can just relax and tell you all an awful story. Uh, it was just Father's Day, so I want to talk about a dad who was a real piece of shit. And when I first read about this story, I was like, oh yes, another day, another murder to read about. But by the end, I was like, what in the fuck? And I'm pretty sure some of you have sent me this one before. Uh, but there's not a ton of information out there on this case. It's mostly just like recycled articles, yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet. But don't worry, because I got a lot to say about it. So we're going to talk about the man of the hour. John List. Uh, he was born in Bay City, Michigan on September 17th, 1925, and he was the only child born to German-American parents, John List Sr. and his wife Maria. The household was fueled by religion. His parents were dev devout uh, Lutherans, and so both John and his father uh, kind of really took roles in the church. At one point, they were both Sunday school teachers. They took the word of God, like, very seriously. Uh, as the only child, he had all eyes on him. He had to work really hard in school, and it was a relatively strict upbringing. Uh, his parents were both originally from Germany, and if you know anything about Germans, they do not fuck around. Uh, in 1943, we're gonna fast forward a little bit, he graduates from high school, and a then 18-year-old John enlisted in the U.S. Army, serving in the infantry as a lab technician during World War II. He gets discharged in 1946, and he enrolls in the University of Ann Arbor, where he graduated with his bachelor's degree in business administration and a master's in accounting. He was like a real numbers guy. Uh, I, I could never. In November of 1950, as the Korean War started to escalate, John was called back to active military service, and he served at Fort Eustis in Virginia. And uh, it's here where he meets this woman, Helen Taylor. She uh, was a semi-recent widow. Her husband had been uh, killed in action in Korea, and she was living nearby with her daughter, Brenda. John and Helen hit it off. Uh, they started dating, began a relationship. He really uh, kind of took a liking to her daughter, Brenda, and they got married on December 1st in 1951 in Baltimore, Maryland. Afterwards, the family then uprooted and moved to Northern California, where John served as an army accountant. So he finishes up his second tour with the army in 1952, and after he's released, he acquires a job at an accounting firm in Detroit. Uh, not long after that, he moved to work as an audit supervisor at, get this, a paper company in Kalamazoo. Okay, so uh, he's working at this paper company, and it's while they're living there in Kalamazoo that, which, like, come on, Kalamazoo, that's not a place, but it is. It's in Michigan. John and Helen's uh, three children are born. So there's Patricia that comes first, and then a few years later, they have John Jr., and then a few years later, they have Frederick. So to friends and neighbors, the List family really had it all. They had these four beautiful children. Yes, four. Don't forget Brenda from Helen's first husband. All four of the children were there. John was excelling at work. And by 1959, he was the head uh, supervisor for the company's accounting department. So he's doing really well at work. Helen was a little loose on the juice, if you know what I mean. She loved an alcoholic beverage. Uh, just And it kind of starts spiraling from there. She 
I was an alcoholic, and she was becoming more and more unstable due to her alcoholism. Uh, but time goes on. They're still, like, functioning semi-normally. Oldest daughter, Brenda, then gets married. She moves out of the family home in 1960. And not long after that, John moves Helen and their other three children with him to Rochester, New York, so he could accept a job with Xerox, which in the paper world company is probably, like, the be-all, end-all. That's probably, like, a big fucking deal. It's like, you're going to Xerox? fucking sick so uh things were on the up and up and just five years after he took that position he ended up taking a position as the vice president of a bank in new jersey and he moved his family into breeze knoll which is a 19 bedroom victorian mansion in westfield new jersey like you know when a house has a name it, it's a fuck that's a fucking house so now let's get on to the murder because hello <laughs> i'm sick of paper Sorry, I guess I just really wanted to use that Office theme song twice. Not to mention, uh, I haven't done an episode on the Scranton Strangler, which I think is a long time coming, but back to this. Uh, so we're going to go now to November 9th of 1971. So some backstory real quick for you. John ends up losing his job at the bank, and he's pretty much broke. The family home is, as you can imagine, not cheap to maintain. The mortgage alone is just insane, as you can imagine. But he also had not told his family. So he's like fucking faking it this whole time. Like every day he wakes up, gets dressed like he's going down to the bank. And then really he just goes to the train station and reads all day, which is like weird and sad because it's like you would think like, wouldn't you want to be like your spouse is the person you confide in? But like it's the 50s or well, it was the 50s. Like they all fucking hate each other. Uh, the 70s. I don't know. I guess I think like he came from a generation where you probably don't talk about any feeling or anything. So he got up and pretended to go to work uh, every day and would just sit at the train station. Uh, we're going to go back to November 9th. Okay, 1971. On this day, the kids have left for school. John goes and gets his gun. And I believe it was a revolver. And then he goes and he uh, wakes up his wife, Helen, 46, uh, by shooting her in the back of the head. He then goes to uh, the attic where his mom had this like little live-in unit. And he shoots his mom, Alma, who was 84 years old, uh, right above her left eye, kills her. And then he waits for the children to get home. As his daughter, uh, Patricia, who was 16, and younger son, Frederick, 13, arrived home from school, he shot each of them in the back of the head, which is literally the worst way to be greeted. And then this fucker makes himself some lunch, because nothing says I'm hungry than, like, I just slaughtered my family. Uh, he then takes a family car and he drives down to the bank they used to work at and closes out both uh, his bank account and I believe he closed out his mom's bank account as well and just like took all the money with him. So, it it's just like, it's crazy. Uh, he goes to uh, the high school after that, which is Westfield High School, where his oldest son, John Jr., is playing in a soccer game. He goes, he watches the game, and then he picks his son up, takes him home, and then proceeds to shoot him repeatedly in the chest and face. And it was definitely the most violent of the shootings because uh, his son was trying to resist, like, which, like, this poor fucking kid. And uh, John proceeded to just shoot him repeatedly until he could make sure his son was dead. Just, like, so violent. And it always is just, like, baffling. It's definitely, like, kind of, like, Amityville horror vibes. 
where it's just like, I just, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around it. Like how these people just kill their entire families. And then he brought their bodies to the uh, house, had a ballroom of a fucking course. What was it called? Breeze Knowles or whatever. Of course it has a fucking ballroom. And he uh, places them on top of sleeping bags which, like, I'm going to include a picture of in the Instagram post that I always do for the episode. It's not, it's not super graphic. You can't see anything. But just so you know, that's your graphic warning. It's going to be on there. I'll write that on the picture, too. Uh, and so uh, he puts their bodies all laid out on this uh, sleeping bags in the ballroom, which is also just so fucking creepy. Uh, he had actually left his mom's body in the little attic upstairs where she had like a little apartment built into the house. Because, you know, 19 rooms, 19 rooms isn't enough. Let's stick grandma in the attic. Okay, so he, he puts them there. And then this, this is really fucking creepy. He turns on the radio onto like a Christian uh, radio station where it's reading off sermons. And he is blasting that on the radio and he goes and he cuts his picture out of every single photograph in the house of the family because he was like, I do not want to anyone to know what I look like so that I can get out of here. And he takes off. Now, nobody suspected a thing as the family mostly kept to themselves. They didn't really talk to a lot of their neighbors. Helen, we know she was like uh, at the bar in the house. And then he was off at his banking job, a.k.a. sitting at the train station uh, reading a book. And so it's literally not until a month later almost, on December 7th, that anybody even realizes the family's been murdered. And I guess the only way that they figured it out is because some of the light bulbs were burning out in the house. And, like, neighbors had noticed that the house lights were, like, on during the day and the night all the time and never turned off. Uh, So they had already kind of suspected something and then once they started burning out they were like all right fuck something's up and i guess he had written letters to the kids schools like we're gonna go visit uh one of their aunts or something i don't remember the entire story uh as far as what he told the schools but basically just so he could throw everyone off the tracks so of course once the police get there and investigate they find the bodies everyone's just like shocked and obviously the bodies were not in a great state uh, but imagine walking into that crime scene it's so like cinematic in a way like just kind of picturing the situation of like it's chilling like picture walking into a mansion and then finding this ballroom and then this entire family is laid out on sleeping bags like it's just so bizarre it's so fucking weird but i guess that's why i talk about it right and i guess that's why you like hearing about it because it's it's not normal it ain't right anyways this is like a really obviously big deal in new jersey at the time and then it becomes this huge just nationwide manhunt police investigated hundreds of leads but they kept coming up on dead ends and all of the pictures of him had been destroyed and obviously this is the days before like you know he, he wasn't posting on Instagram or anything. He, was, he wasn't Snapchatting. So it was really, there was no photographic evidence other than the pictures that were in the house. And now that those were all gone, uh, they really had nothing to go off of. They did end up finding the family car, which was parked at the JFK airport in New York. But there was no evidence that he ever got on a flight. And I'm sure even then it was difficult because they didn't have the same computer systems and everything that they have now. Uh, so his mom's body was flown to Frankenmuth, uh, Frankenmuth, 
Frankenmuth? I don't really know how to say it. Frankenmuth? Uh, Michigan, and she was buried at a cemetery there. And then his wife and their three children were buried at the Fairview Cemetery in Westfield, uh, not far from where the family home was. Cult Leader is sponsored by BetterHelp. Cult Babes, what's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Are you hitting the gym, hitting the sheets for a little nap, looking at your neighbor's house on Zillow? Really though, if time was unlimited, how would you use it? How would you decide what's important enough to make time for? Unfortunately, time is not unlimited, but fortunately, therapy can help you figure out what matters to you so you can do more of it. That's one of my biggest takeaways from therapy, figuring out where to devote time to make the rest of my life easier. I could go on forever about how much less stressful life is once I learn to prioritize my time, but why don't you see for yourself? Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn how to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash leader today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash leader. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Okay, are you ready for this jump ahead? Because we're jumping ahead 18 fucking years to May 21st, 1989. Uh, God bless the 80s. The murders are recounted on a new show called America's Most Wanted, uh, which at the time had been on the air for less than a full year. So they hadn't even got to a full season And the broadcast featured an age progression. You know, like, sometimes on those crime shows, they'll be like, this is what the person probably looks like now. And sometimes they're really accurate, but sometimes they're just, like, not at all. And then sometimes you never know. But they had this clay bust they created, which I'll also try and include a picture of that, that a forensic artist, uh, Frank Bender, had made. And it ended up, like, actually looking a lot like him. So, basically, because of that, They're able to locate him and arrest him in Virginia less than two weeks after that episode of America's Most Wanted aired. Like, isn't that just fucking wild? Like, can you believe that? Like, on one hand, it sucks that he got away with it for so long, but it's also, like, so good that he really thought, like, I'm never gonna get caught. And then, bam, the FBI discovers this, and so it's it's just crazy. And basically, here's the timeline of what happened after he did murder his family back in 1971. So I guess they were able to piece it together. He took a train, which like his favorite thing to do, to first Michigan, and then he ended up in Colorado, where he settled in Denver in 1972, where he got a job at, can you guess it? Another fucking paper company. He joined a uh, Lutheran congregation and ran a carpool for shut-in church members. So this fool really flipped one, right? He's like, no, I want to live the same life, but somewhere else after murdering my entire family. Uh, And he 
at one of the religious gatherings, he ends up meeting this army clerk named Dolores Miller. So they got married in 1985. And then in February of 1988, the couple moved to Midlothian, Virginia, where John, who was still going by uh, another identity, the name Bob Clark, uh, worked as an accountant. I guess he got the name Bob Clark from somebody that he was in college with, which like, why are you trying to tie yourself to someone? You're going to get caught. First rule. Uh, but I mean, hey, he got away with it for 18 years. So who knows? And then on June 1st, 1989, uh, he, he was arrested at the Richmond accounting firm after one of the neighbors had seen uh, the America's Most Wanted broadcast and recognized the profile. They called the police, yada, yada, yada. And he actually continued to stand by the fact he's like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. My name is Bob Clark. And they're like, we know who you are. And he's like, no, I'm Bob Clark. And I'm Bob, I'm Bob fucking Clark. Uh, and so he, he went by it for a, a long time. And then in late 1989, he was basically they placed evidence in front of him that he was able to not combat like it was his actual like fingerprints from the crime scene that matched uh his military records from his time in the military and then basically the evidence at the crime scene it all tied together and he finally confesses to his true identity on february 16th 1990 John later expressed a degree of remorse for his crime, saying, I wish I had never done what I did. He went on to say that he regretted his actions and he prayed for forgiveness. And he did an interview with Connie Chung in 2002. And she asked him, like, why would you kill your family and then just move on? Like, why didn't you take your life as well? And he said that he thought suicide would have barred him from heaven, where he hoped to be reunited with his family. Like, can you believe that? It's like... It's like, oh, yeah, we were going to let you in after you uh, murdered your innocent wife and children and your mother. But that damn suicide is just is selfish. We, we don't want you here. We don't want your kind here. Only murderers. It's fucked. List uh, died of complications from pneumonia at the age of 82 on March 21st in 2008 while in prison custody at the St. Francis Medical Center in Trenton, New Jersey. In reporting his death, the Newark Star-Ledger referred to him as the boogeyman of Westfield. And that, my friends, is the short but sweet, but not, well, not fucking sweet at all, the short but sinister uh, story of how John List murdered his entire family. What do you, what do you think? Happy, happy Father's Day. I don't know. It's just like... It's one of those stories where, again, I wish I had more detail. Like, I wish there was more information out there. And there probably is. But, like, half the time then I get stuck in this, like, loophole of digging through archives. Like, sometimes I will actually go onto, like, the registry where they have newspaper archives and, like, go find articles about it. And But more often than not, it ends up being, like, the same shit that's on murderpedia or wikipedia i don't know if you guys have been on murderpedia before but it's basically wikipedia just for serial killers uh so i don't know but it's interesting i mean it's just fucking wild to me that he got away with it for so long and then he got discovered 18 years later from america's most wanted like that is just the best thing i think that has ever happened ever so uh i hope you guys like it also don't forget next week i will be on vacation there will not be a full episode next week i'm going to attempt to put out a little leader in between to hold you guys over 
and uh, stay connected online at Cult Leader Podcast, at Spencer Henry, and at Spencer Henry on Twitter as well. And also, uh, please, 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 if you haven't, leave a review uh, on either iTunes or wherever you listen, if it gives you the opportunity to, uh, because it helps me out a lot. So uh, I love you guys, and I will uh, see you not next week, but sometime within the next two weeks. You know I can't stay away for that long. All right. Oh, also, 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 please, very important side note, um, there is a potential that I will be doing a live show uh, live recording of the podcast on September 24th in uh, outside of San Francisco in the Bay Area. So if you're interested in that, uh, there'll be more details on it coming soon. And that's it. Goodbye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Cult Leader early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Ding! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. The Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice, only on Freebie.